This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs, a local community faith program from 100.7. The Word. Welcome to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Hope that you're doing well. Thanks so much for joining me. Just want to remind you, Crosswalk Colorado Springs is a local show. I'm a local pastor right here in the heart of the city, and we're focused in on Southern Colorado. Monday through Wednesday from 5 to 6 right here on 100.7 of the Word. This Monday and next Monday, I want to just take a look at the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is such a powerful, powerful book. If you've never read it or it's been a while since you studied it, just transformational truths about the grace of God. What's interesting about the book of Ephesians is that Paul writes it while he's in prison. And you'd think that it would be a letter almost where he would be depressed or discouraged, but it's the exact opposite as he's focused on Christ, he's focused upon others. Watchman Nee gives us a really awesome outline of the book of Ephesians. He's passed away. He was a missionary to China, but he broke it down to three words. And the first word is to sit, then walk, then stand. Sit, walk, stand. And first we're seated in the grace of God. Once we understand our position in Christ Jesus, the first three chapters really describe who we are in Christ. Over and over, there's the phrase, in him, in Christ, seated with Christ in heavenly places. Then chapter four, verse one, switches to walk, walk worthy of your calling. Once we know the grace of God, then we respond to the grace of God. So sit, walk, and then stand. The book of Ephesians very famously ends with standing our ground spiritually and engaging in that spiritual battle that God has given to us. But Belief comes before behavior, and I want you to hear me on that. If you don't know the grace of God, then that's not going to impact your heart and your life and ultimately your character. For me and my story, I grew up in a Christian family, went to church, went to a Christian school, and I really focused on all the behavior that you're supposed to have as a Christian, really Christian living, the do's and the don'ts, but I didn't know the grace of God. So I was trying to do the behavior without really having a relationship with God and experiencing the grace of God, the unconditional love of God. And thankfully, God and his grace revealed his love to me. It was Romans 5.8. I didn't know it at the time. It says, but God demonstrated his love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I didn't want anything to do with the Lord, but he wanted everything to do with me, a grace. And when I understood that grace, that unconditional love, it started to affect my behavior. But I first needed to know the grace of God. So before you really get into the second half of Ephesians, you've got to spend some time just sitting in the first three chapters and really thinking about the grace of God. And we're going to do uh, some of that today. We're going to break down Ephesians chapter 1 and and really get into chapter 2. So take this journey uh, with me through the book of Ephesians. Chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, faithful in Christ Jesus. If you're not familiar with Paul, his name was Saul, and God transformed him, God saved him. 
He was persecuting Christians. God literally knocked him off of his high horse and called him unto himself. God changed his name from Saul to Paul, and then he went on to serve the Lord. He would plant churches, go from city to city, and now he's writing a letter back to Ephesus. Ephesus is in modern-day Turkey. I had the opportunity years ago to go to Ephesus and see the ancient ruins, and it was a big city, a big ancient library, lots of pagan worship, a prostitution with being a seaport city. In a lot of ways, Ephesus would be like our culture here in America, uh, unfortunately. But God birthed this beautiful church in Ephesus, and Paul is writing to them, and he's encouraging them. What I find interesting is this group of believers does know the grace of God, but yet Paul is affirming God's grace in their life or reminding them of God's grace, and we need that in our lives as well. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This has been called the Siamese twins of the New Testament, grace and peace. You'll notice it's used always together, but grace comes before peace. So what is grace? It's unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. As we understand the grace of God, then that results in the peace of God. I've got peace with God because of the grace that I have received. What's also interesting about this is grace was the Greek greeting, charis, but then shalom, peace was the Hebrew greeting. So this represents Jews and Gentiles being saved. So as you're driving down the road today, or maybe already home from work, grace and peace to you from our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Stop and think about that for just a moment. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing, not because we earn it, not because we deserve it, but because we're in Christ Jesus. Sometimes I like to use uh, sticky notes in my Bible. I'll write down some notes as I'm giving a sermon. And if I have a sticky note, let's say in Ephesians chapter 1 in my Bible, and I were to close that, close my Bible, you wouldn't see that sticky note. You would just see the cover of my Bible. In the same way, all of our sin is in Christ Jesus and the Father sees us robed in Christ's righteousness. That's, that's incredible. And he's given to us. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. It's not based on tithing. It's not based on church attendance. It's not based upon reading your Bible. You have been given every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in heavenly places, simply part of the grace that God has given to you. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Chosen. He's chosen us before the foundation of the world. It's so powerful to be chosen. I remember one of my favorite things to do growing up was uh, to play football at a recess. It was the primary reason why I went uh, to school. There was always two captains and they would choose And inevitably, the worst players wouldn't get chosen. And it was like, well, we took Johnny yesterday. It's your turn to have have Johnny. And looking back, the the pain that that caused those, those kids that were never chosen, 
and I want you to hear this, is you're chosen by the one who matters the most. Maybe you've had a lot of rejection in your life to know that you are chosen by the Father. He, he chose you and he's accepted you in Christ Jesus. And the work that he's doing in our life is one of sanctification, that we would be set apart, that we'd be holy and without blame before him having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. God predestined us, meaning that he, he chose us. Scripture also tells us that we're required to choose the Lord. We're required to repent and believe, but it's this incredible reality that he has predestined us to be adopted, not just to be forgiven, but to full on be adopted. My little sister is adopted. My parents adopted her from the state of Oregon and man, she was chosen. (laughs) My brother and I is what my parents got, you know, biological kids, but my parents, they chose my sister. I remember them going through this big folder and flipping through all of these kids in Oregon that needed a home and they landed on my sister and chose to adopt her, and, and you're chosen by God, but predestined to be adopted. So we're spending time in the book of Ephesians today, looking at our position in Christ, the grace that God has given to us. You're not going to want to go away. This is encouragement. There's so much discouragement going on in the world, and to look at the grace of God in the work of Jesus Christ, it's so, so powerful to sit, walk, stand, to sit in the grace of God, then to walk and then to stand. You're listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Pastor Eric Cartier on 100.7 The Word. Stay with me. We'll be right back. Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Hope that you're doing well, that you've had a good day, that you're enjoying this spring weather in Colorado. It's a local program focused on Southern Colorado. I'm a local pastor, just love the city of Colorado Springs and thankful to be able to be on the air. Today, we're taking a look at the book of Ephesians. We're going to do it this Monday and next Monday. The grace of God. We, we have to really know the grace of God and allow that to impact our hearts and our lives. So, We're working our way through uh, chapter one, just talked about how we were predestined to be adopted as his children to the praise and the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. When we think about being chosen, when we think about being predestined, when we think about God's grace in our lives, it's to the praise and the glory of God. There's going to be nobody in heaven that's like, oh, I deserve to be here. I'm here because of my own works. It's only to the praise and the glory of God's grace. Notice this, that he made us accepted in the beloved. It's all about Jesus. It's all about our position in Jesus. The beloved is Jesus. The father loves the son. He's his only begotten son. And because we're in Jesus, we're accepted. We're accepted. Is that the reality that you live in, in your relationship with God? Do you know that you're unconditionally accepted? Will God correct us for sin? Will he convict us of sin? Yes, that's evidence that we are his children, but we're accepted by his grace. He gives that correction based on the reality that we're accepted. 
I think one of the most powerful things that we can experience even in human relationships is to know that we're accepted. I know that I'm accepted by my wife, Amber. We've been married for 22 years, and even early on in our marriage, she accepted me by grace. I've accepted her, and to be in a relationship with that unconditional love, there's, there's nothing like it. I know that I'm accepted by my parents, my mom and my dad. They've got this proven track record throughout my whole life of, of loving me. And I know that by God's grace, because of Jesus, I'm accepted by the Father. And as that hit home in your heart and your life, that you are accepted by the Father because of your position in Jesus Christ. In Him, there's that phrase again, in Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Let's slow down and process this because there's just so much amazing truth in this. In Christ, we have redemption. What does the word redemption mean? It it means to be bought back. You know, think of something that was valuable to you and maybe you pawned it off at a pawn shop and you went back and you had to buy it back at a a higher price. And God, he created us. He owns us. We're created in his image. We sinned and he redeemed us. He bought us back through his blood. That's the cost of redemption. That's how much God loves us, that he would give his son, that Jesus would willingly lay down his life. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. The blood of Jesus also results in the forgiveness of sins. The totality of sin, all of our sin in the past, all of our sin in the present, all of our sin in the future is completely forgiven by the Lord. The enemy wants us to walk around in condemnation with our heads down, not believing that God loves us. But please hear this, that forgiveness is based on how worthy the blood of Jesus is. So when I fail to receive the forgiveness of God, I'm really diminishing the value, the power, the worth, the substance of the blood of Jesus. We can stand forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. There's nothing like knowing that our sins are forgiven. I remember when I came to Christ my freshman year of high school, I had made a profession of faith younger in my life, but really didn't know the reality of God's, God's grace. And when I trusted the gospel, when I believed that Jesus died for me and rose again, there was this release of sin. There was that release of guilt. There was that weight that was off my, my shoulders. And as a believer, times when I sin and I know that I've hurt the heart of God and go to him and confess my sin, to have him forgive my sin, to cleanse me, there's nothing like it. So the power of the grace of God that says the riches of his grace. God is so rich in grace that it resulted in the blood of Jesus forgiving our sin, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. So the grace of God is abounding towards us. The grace of God doesn't end in our lives the moment that we receive Christ uh, as our Savior but it continues to abound, unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor, so that we could walk in wisdom and prudence. Verse 9, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. 
God has made known to us the mystery of his will. This is part of the grace of God. This is part of being a believer. Well, we go, what's the will of God? That he would be in relationship with us, that he would save us from our sins. And verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth in him. So God, in a moment in the future, when Christ returns, is going to gather together all those in Christ, those who are alive in Christ at that moment, the rapture of the church, those that have already gone to be with the Lord. And we look forward to that. Again, this amazing two words, in him, our position in Christ, in him also we've obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. What if you got news that you received an inheritance, maybe an unexpected inheritance from an aunt or an uncle? You know, how excited would you be? You've received the ultimate inheritance because of your position in Christ. We've obtained an inheritance. The Bible tells us that we're joint heirs with Christ. God predestined us to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of your inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise for his glory. So how do we get to this place of being in Christ? Paul says, you trusted the word of truth. You trusted the gospel. What's the gospel? That Jesus died for our sins, that he rose again according to the scripture. So the moment that you trusted the gospel, then you're in Christ. If you haven't trusted the gospel, if you haven't believed in Christ as your Savior, if you haven't repented from sin and said, Jesus, save me, have mercy on me, I believe that you died and rose again, then let today be the day where you trust Christ right now, wherever you're at, and then enjoy this position of being in Christ. Part of being in Christ is that we are then sealed with the Holy Spirit. The seal of the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit, the reality of the Holy Spirit in our lives is the guarantee. It's the down payment. It's the earnest money that God is going to be faithful to his promises and take us home to be with the Lord. If you've purchased a house, you know you have to come with earnest money. And God has given us the guarantee. He's given us the the earnest money and the Spirit seals us, showing God's ownership in our lives and then The Holy Spirit is that assurance that God's going to be faithful to our promises. His promises, excuse me. Man, so much in Ephesians. I'm just stoked to study and talk about the book of Ephesians. If you've never read Ephesians, you've got to read it. If you haven't studied it for a while, pick it up. We just looked at the first half of chapter 1 of our position in Christ Jesus. Stay with me because we're going to keep working through the first half of Ephesians in today's show, looking at the grace of God in the person of Jesus Christ. You're listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Pastor Eric Cartier. 
on 100.7 The Word. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, with Pastor Eric Cartier. Thanks for joining me today, taking a look at the book of Ephesians. We're going to look at Ephesians this Monday and next Monday, looking at our position in Christ. Uh, Watchman Nee gives us an outline of the book of Ephesians to sit, walk, stand. First, we're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Then that impacts our behavior. It's belief before behavior. It's knowing our identity in Christ Jesus, our position in him, really being rooted and grounded in uh, the grace of God. So Paul has just in chapter one described our position in Christ, and this leads him to a place of prayer. He's praying for the church of Ephesus. And these are awesome prayers for us to pray in our own lives and for those that we love. It says, therefore, I also After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The first thing that Paul prays for, and I think this really goes along with knowing the grace of God, is that they would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This word knowledge in the Greek, it's epinosis, and it's knowledge by experience. You know, we have knowledge about Abraham Lincoln. We have knowledge about George Washington. But we don't know Abraham Lincoln. We don't know George Washington. But we also have knowledge about our spouses, for those of you that are married or knowledge about your your kids, and that's epinosis. And what Paul is praying for here is that the church of Ephesus would have a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. And isn't that what life is all about? These believers seem to be doing well, walking with the Lord, but Paul is praying that they would know Jesus in a greater way. And that's, that's my prayer for Rocky Mountain Calvary, for my family, for myself. I want to know Jesus in a greater way because when we know Jesus in a greater way, that brings ultimate satisfaction in our lives that nothing else can compare to. The eyes of your understandings be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. If you're not reading this carefully, it would be easy for you to think to know the hope of our calling, and that's important, but it's the hope of his calling, it's the hope of of Jesus' calling, which is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So, this is mind-blowing. What was the hope of Jesus' calling? Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that Christ endured the cross, despising the shame, looking forward to the joy that was set before him. What was the joy that was set before Jesus? Being reunited with the Father? Absolutely. But what did the cross accomplish? The cross accomplished our forgiveness of sin, Jesus being able to inherit us as the bride of Christ. And here in Ephesians, in Paul's prayer, Paul is saying that this was the hope of Jesus' calling to inherit us as his saints. So he graciously gives us in his inheritance 
joint heirs of Christ, but he considers us as believers to be his inheritance. This is mind-blowing. Again, this just points to the the love of uh, Jesus Christ. Verse 19, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, that we would know God's power working in our lives? We definitely need this as as Christians. Sometimes I, I think that we try to do the Christian life apart from God's power. In Zechariah, we're told in chapter 4, verse 6, that it's not by power or by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Let me give you an example. Like, I really hate bowling. I grew up in a bowling family. Uh, my mom, my dad, my, my brother, and they're all good at bowling. And we go out bowling on family nights and I'd always lose and I hate I hate losing. And so for me, I don't really enjoy bowling. It just feels like, man, I'm going to throw another gutter ball. And I think sometimes that's how we feel about the Christian life. We're like, man, I'm just miserable at this. I keep failing. I keep falling into sin and, and anger and covetousness and lust. And I'm just not having any victory. I know God loves me. And we're trying to do it in our own power. And, and here Paul is praying for the church of Ephesus that they would experience God's power. And I pray that in our lives as well, that we would know his power that would equip us for the Christian life. We go on in this prayer that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. So a display of the power of God is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that Christ rose from the dead, that he fulfilled his promise, and ascended to be at the right hand with the Father. Describing Jesus now, far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Christ is above every principality and power, every demonic reality, above Satan, above demons, above every name that is named, every famous name that is named, above Michael Jordan, above John Elway, above LeBron James, Tiger Woods, you fill in the blank. His name is above every name, not only history past, but present and also future. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. All things are under his feet. We see this when Jesus walked upon the water on the Sea of Galilee. This huge storm comes up. The disciples are instructed to cross over. They're rowing faithfully. They're rowing obediently. And Christ comes to them and he walks upon the waves that are rocking the boat of the disciples. What are the waves that's really shaking you today, causing you to fear your very existence. It's underneath the feet of Jesus. Or possibly is it our guilt? Is it our shame, our sin? That's under the feet of Jesus. It's all under the feet of Jesus. He's provided for our salvation. He'll be faithful in the situations that we go through as well. Notice the position of Christ as he's the head of the church. Please hear me out on this, is don't look to anybody other than Jesus Christ. There's some awesome pastors, some awesome authors and speakers, but we're all sinners. 
all of us, the body of Christ are sinners and there's one head, it's Jesus. So fix your eyes upon Jesus, follow Jesus, be committed to the church because you're committed to Jesus, not because the church is necessarily worthy. And the body of Christ with Jesus as the head, God uses. Notice how Jesus describes the body, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We by this position of grace, by this work of grace that God is doing in our lives, are the body of Christ. We're the hands and the feet of Jesus in this lost and dying world. Well, gang, we just tackled Ephesians chapter 1. encourage you to go back and read it and study it more. The grace of God, our position in Christ Jesus. We're going to look at chapter 2 right after this break of how we're seated with Christ in the heavens, that we're saved by grace. And God's grace is continuing to work in our lives. I think it's so important to be rooted in the grace of God in Ephesians 1 through 3, because then that really impacts our our behavior. We talk of grace, we share grace, but do we believe it? Do we understand it? Do we walk in it? We're told that Jesus came in the fullness of grace and truth. Grace came before truth. It's the grace of God that gives us a longing and gives us a hunger for the truth of God. I know once I understood the grace of God, that's when my heart and life really began uh, to change. So stay with me. We're going to head into chapter two uh, right after the break. Just want to remind you, today's show does turn into a podcast. You can search Crosswalk Colorado Springs anywhere that you find uh, your, your podcasts. So stay with me. You're listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. We're going to be right back looking at the grace of God. Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Good God Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Hope that you're doing well. Thanks for tuning in. I counted a privilege that you would turn on your radio that you'd listen to this uh, podcast, and I hope that you're you're doing well. Today, we're looking at the grace of God revealed in the book of Ephesians. Invite you back next Monday. We'll, we'll look at the second half of the book of Ephesians. Watchman Nee summed up the book of Ephesians in three words, to sit, to walk, to stand. We have to sit first in the grace of God, then walk, and then be able to stand. So, Chapter 2 is where we see that we're seated with Christ in the heavens. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. So this is where we were at prior to knowing Christ as our Savior. We were dead in our trespasses, but he has made us alive through his grace. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. This world does have an agenda. This world does have a course, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and, and the pride of life. And that was our marching order. That's what we walked according to prior to knowing Christ. According to the prince of the power of the air. This is Satan's influence in this fallen world. And that dominated our lives prior to knowing Christ. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. The prince of the power of air is, is active amongst those that don't know Christ as our Savior, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, 
and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. So we were giving in to our lusts, whatever our sin longed for that we would give into. This caused us to be in a place of deserving God's judgment, children of wrath. Thankfully, verse four, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, the intervention of God. Thankfully, God did not leave us in our sins, in that place of being dead in our trespasses. He's rich in mercy. (laughs) What's mercy? Mercy is not giving to somebody what they deserve, not giving them the judgment that they deserve. If you got pulled over and you deserved the ticket, if the cop didn't give you the ticket, it's mercy. If you were late for work and your boss decided to not write you up, that, that's mercy. Why is he rich in mercy? Because of his great love, which he loved us. He chooses to be merciful because he loves us. He's proven his love towards us by his mercy. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So when we're in this place where we're dead in our trespasses, he made us alive with Christ. So he raised Christ from the dead, but he's also risen me out of my sins and caused me to be a new creature. By grace, you have been saved. How are we saved? This free gift that comes in the finished work of Jesus Christ, not through our works, but through the grace of God and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is our present reality as believers that we are in Christ. And because we're in Christ, we're seated in the heavens in this place of rest, in this place of assurance of what Christ has done for us, being chosen, being accepted by the Lord Let that sink in. No matter what your circumstances are, no matter what failures have taken place in your life, sin, to know because of your faith in Jesus, you're seated in the heavens. If you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, cry out to Him right now. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins and you'll be seated with Christ in heavenly places. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? Throughout all eternity, God is going to be showing us the exceeding abundance of his grace in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, just lavishing on us unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. For by grace, you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. What good news, for by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. We can't earn or deserve our way to salvation. Doing good things can never undo the wrongs that we have committed. The only way that we can be saved is by grace. So we've talked a little bit about Mercy, not receiving the judgment that we deserve, but grace is I got pulled over by a police officer. I deserve a ticket. And instead he gave me a Chipotle gift card. That would be grace. And, and we're saved by grace. I deserve hell. I deserve 
to be punished for my sins. I deserve eternal separation from the Lord. But instead of God giving me judgment, he gave me grace in the person of Jesus Christ, in Christ's death, in his resurrection, that by faith, as I trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, I'm saved. I receive everlasting life. I become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amazing. And verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is part of the grace that we've received is that we are his workmanship. I I love this word in the Greek and I'm not a Greek scholar, but this is definitely one of those that's worth looking up. The Greek word that we translate into the English word workmanship is poema. And the idea is that we're God's poem, we're God's masterpiece, that he's been writing the script of our life, writing the story of our life. Maybe you can look back and see that. And part of his writing and saving us by grace is also calling us by grace, that he has created us for good works that he's prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And this is what I love about the grace of God is he saves us, he forgives us, but then he also allows us to be used in his kingdom. I played a little bit of little league baseball uh, growing up. Wasn't great at baseball, just like I wasn't great at bowling, but I'd be stuck out in right field a lot. And in little league, that's the picking daisies position because there's nothing out there except to, to pick daisies. And then every once in a while, someone would hit a ball out there and it wouldn't be ready and it'd fly over my head. And the little league games at the time were six innings. And, you know, the coach was required to play me three innings and I'd be out there in right field and then sit on the bench for, for three innings. And really it was no fun to sit the bench. It was no fun to be stuck out in, in right field. And maybe that's the way you feel in God's kingdom. And I want you to hear this is there's no one sitting the bench in God's kingdom. God has created good works by his grace for you to walk in. And we don't walk in those works because we earn it or deserve it, but it's an expression of God's grace. It's a, the active part of God's grace in our lives. Hey, I'd encourage you to tune in next Monday. I'm going to take a look at the second half of the book of Ephesians. Today we've studied what's our position in Christ. Because I'm in Christ, I'm accepted, I'm beloved, I'm chosen, I'm forgiven. Amazing promises of God that I'm seated with Christ in the heavens. I'm resting in that finished work of Jesus Christ. That God by grace has saved me and also called me to good works for me to be able to walk in. I can't express to you how deep the grace of God is, how deep the love of God is. And for you to be reminded as you're listening today that God loves you. He's proven it by giving his son for you on the cross and he is gracious towards us. And as we sit in the grace of God, then that impacts us to then walk. And that's what we'll look at next week. What does it mean to then respond to this grace that God has given to us, to walk worthy of the calling that he's given, and also to stand up against the schemes of the enemy. So thanks so much for listening. I hope that this has been a blessing to you. 
Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Pastor Eric Cartier. Have a great night. God bless you. Until next time. Then you came along.